Hello, hello, welcome back. It's another week of the Cyclone Family Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Jamie Steyer Johnson, alongside our wonderful co-host, Eric Steyer. Eric, thanks for being here. Yep, it's always more fun after a win. Exactly, exactly. Like, there's there's a little bit of hype. There's a little bit of energy in our little Zoom room here. So definitely, definitely a good week to be recording because good stuff abounds you know we we had our good vibes only episode that was that was fun that was great um this week feels similar to that and we're not really skirting around anything this time so that's super fun we've got coming off a win in football we've got basketball starting this week like it I mean there's there's very few things that could be going better at least you know not rewriting history you know we're we're in a good spot right now and I think that it's I think it's a sign of good things to come I'm gonna be positive that's that's what I'm sticking to so I feel like things are trending upwards yes things are trending upwards and so I am I am hoping that this trend continues to be sure and obviously we are we are referring primarily to the results of the weekend for Iowa State football uh, homecoming game against West Virginia looked like a it, it depends on your perspective to some it was a really really great opportunity to get back on track and for others it was potentially a trap game and I think that both of those viewpoints are perfectly legitimate, but indeed it did end up being, I think, a pretty solid way to get back on track. Uh, ended up winning solidly and looked looked good in multiple aspects of the game. After the first half, it was another one of those games where you're sitting there like, okay, well, we're, we're really outplaying them like 90% of the time. And yet, for whatever reason, it just not capitalizing off of those plays. Like it felt like if you were watching the game and you just cut out scoring plays, you'd think, okay, Iowa State is up really big here at the half. And that was clearly not the case. You know, it, it was still pretty close and didn't really pull away that much until late in the game when you score. Well, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, like that that's a little bit late there, but still did it and and had the opportunity to play from ahead. So even when things didn't look like they were going amazing, you still had the lead to contend with. And that's what we've talked about on here like every every week, pretty much, is hey. In, at least in conference, wouldn't it be nice to have the opportunity to play from ahead? So how much of a relief was it for you to see how they just how they executed when they when they were able to score first and then things got kind of tight, but they were able to pull away down the stretch? Yeah, I was happy to see Iowa State jump out to a lead. And even at halftime, it was 10-7 and Iowa State had the lead. And I was talking to some people at halftime and it just it didn't feel like it didn't feel like we were playing super well, but I mean, we made the point like, hey, we're we're ahead in in past games. Uh, 
there's been times where we've gone to the half down like 14 7 or 10 to 7 or whatever it was but at least this time Iowa State was ahead 10 7 and you know you, you had that positive feeling of getting the ball back to start the second half even though that didn't really result in anything but uh yeah it was it was nice to it felt more comfortable throughout the game when you had the lead and were playing from ahead. And then in the four, fourth quarter, you, you know, Iowa State really pulled away, even though throughout the game, it felt like Iowa State was in control. But even in that third quarter where it's 10-7 game throughout the quarter, you just never really felt 100% comfortable. And so to get that um, that first touchdown in the fourth quarter to X, you know, early in the fourth quarter, that was big. And then obviously late in the fourth quarter, I was encouraged by the way that Iowa State was able to run the ball, especially with Deion Silas breaking off a couple of long runs and then Artavius Norton with his first two touchdown runs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really difficult because with the way that the season has gone and the history of Iowa State football, the fan base is fully justified in not feeling secure in close games, especially even if you have the lead. And so I personally felt like in the first half and going into the start of the second, I was just kind of sitting there and waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was waiting for that play to happen. And and everyone knows what I'm talking about. The one that is just a, a baffling decision or extremely costly error. And all of a sudden things take a turn for the worse. And it didn't happen. And it's not a fun <laughs> way to go about watching a football game when you feel like you have to be waiting for that. But for that to not occur and then to feel like you end the game on pretty high notes, giving up a late touchdown isn't ideal, but it's also inconsequential, ultimately. Um, so I, I saw a lot of really good things there. I think there was just, there was a lot of really fun stuff that happened there. Uh, like you mentioned, I really liked some of what we saw from the running back. I, I'm really heartbroken just to see Jairo Brock go down yet again. He really seems to be trying to battle through injuries coming back and then either re-aggravating the same ones or ending up with new ones. I know that there was a lot of talk about how the way his leg bent didn't, didn't look real, real comfortable. So uh, I haven't heard a whole lot of chatter about what the outlook is there, but to have running backs then come in and still produce was great. Cartavius Norton, you told me during the game looks probably the healthiest he has in a long time or potentially all season definitely showed what he's capable of there. And what I love was that Deion Silas was able to get a couple really big runs. He's one of those players that it, it seems pretty clear that he just based on, you know, stature <laughs> primarily isn't probably going to be option number one, but he's a really good person that you can kind of throw in there once in a while and when he can bust off a couple big runs like that and just kind of weave through defenders and use that to his advantage it's really cool to see stuff like that so I was super super happy to see a productive run game like the, the quality of the defense you're facing aside just just get some good runs out there that's that's good for me you know yeah and a guy like Silas he, he kind of does like you see it at 
Kansas State with Deuce Vaughn, like he just kind of hides behind the line of scrimmage and then can <laughs> sometimes squirt through there. And so we kind of saw that a couple times with Silas. And I don't know, I guess it's something with the number 22, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Just they're both number 22. I don't know. It's just there's there's further research like, to be done there. Yeah, but <laughs> just some similarities of just kind of being able to hide behind the line and then pop through. We saw that a couple times with Deion Silas. Yeah, if, if you can emulate that great of a player and when you can find similarities like that, it's great. And you're totally right. It, it certainly seems like it's hard to really latch on to him visually, probably from the other side of the line there. So uh, good there. Solid game for Hunter Deckers, you know, uh, ended up with pretty just solid numbers. You know, no one's going to point at it and be like, Oh my gosh, absolutely incredible. But to be 24 for 36, you get over 200 yards, you end up with a couple touchdowns, you don't throw an interception. Like, that is solid. It doesn't have to be great or flashy. Like I said, I'm good with solid. And that was really encouraging. I thought he made some pretty solid decisions. There was a couple times that maybe a throw could have been better, but there were no just major, major costly errors. Again, you know, you're not throwing interceptions in bad positions. You're not fumbling. You're not doing those things that end up really turning the tide of a game. You're going to make the, you're not going to make the best decision every time, but I thought that overall he made good decisions. Yeah. And that's another thing of playing from ahead. So when you're behind, you kind of feel that need to that you have to make a play. You probably press a little more and try to force things. So if you're down, you're down seven or you're down ten, and you have a third and ten, you might feel like okay, we have to get the first down here. We can't punt, and so maybe you force force things when you don't need to. But when you're ahead, you can take what the defense gives you, and if it's not there, you can throw the ball away. And so a game like this one where you're ahead and you're playing from ahead for most of the game, you aren't you don't really need to force things as much. And so I thought he did a good job of taking what the defense was giving him and not really forcing things. And in the end, it ended up uh, being a really solid game for him. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point of you. You get the luxury, you get a lot of luxuries when you're playing from ahead. And one of them is being able to play slightly more conservatively and, and make good decisions. And so it's nice to see that, okay, you're in the position where, theoretically you should be able to make better decisions and you do. And so that's absolutely a positive. Um, a couple other things to note there. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson did end up running his season total up to 87 receptions so far. 87 with crazy. multiple games to go. Like that's yeah. unreal. 83 last year. Now he's got the top two. In school history, it uh, it's absurd. He's caught at least eight passes in every game this season. Like, even when you're sitting here like, man, he hasn't scored a touchdown today. It feels kind of quiet. It's like, what a standard to have for a player. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's leading the leading the nation in receptions right now with 87. It's four ahead of uh, Charlie Jones from Purdue. Oh, is that who's right behind him? Yep. Wow. Yep. Wild. Over. Wild. Oh, I love it. And I, I actually had never seen what the actual total ended up being, but Silas's carries were for 38 and 33 yards. Like that's also 
absurd. Like, oh my gosh, I those were so fun. Just those long hair where you have all these guys around him at points and the amount of people he was able to avoid on those runs and stay in bounds. I, I talked about that at the game too, where there was a couple times he kind of felt like he was dancing along the sideline and stayed yeah, in there. Nice to see. I mean, we haven't really seen much of that this year. We've been spoiled the past few years with Brees breaking off right. a number of, you know, 75, 80 yard touchdown runs, but it's nice to, nice to see that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. You know, get a, get a little something running there. It, you kind of forget sometimes like how exciting those plays can be. Well, at least I do because I've, I intentionally try to put it out of my mind so that I'm not thinking about what we don't have when things aren't going well, but it was really fun. Um, one of the one of the biggest plays of the game we talked about was probably the um, the roughing call that extended Iowa State's first scoring play or first scoring drive of the second half. And so what I loved about that was capitalizing on big opportunities. There's been a lot of times this year where there's been a call that puts you in a good position or been a really big play. And then for whatever reason, end up coming up short. So to see something like that, first of all, go Iowa state's way, uh, really big penalty to draw there in a game where Iowa state really didn't have a whole lot of crazy penalties either. Uh, another great aspect of the game defense solid again, like no, no big surprise there, but to capitalize off that and use that to kind of kick off your momentum in the second half was, was big. Even if it came kind of late, I really like to see that end up in a score. I know again, controversial. I'm, I'm coming out here with the really hot takes, but that was really exciting to see a play like that. Finally go Iowa state's way in a big way. Yeah. Um, special teams play going our way, even though, um, I don't know if it's anything necessarily that we did, but it's nice to see the other team, I guess, make a special teams mistake against us. Right. And yeah. And you kind of mentioned like the defense. I feel like it just shows how good the Iowa state defense has been this year where you hold a team to 200 yards and it's just kind of like, yep, no big deal. Yeah. It's like not even on my rundown. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that just, that just goes to show how good they've been. And yeah, they were really good again. Yesterday. Yeah, you don't want to take that kind of thing for granted. So I will say, like, terrific. That's that's obviously incredibly impressive, but just so used to it. It's just not even on the radar. So it goes to show how great they've been this year. Another interception for Anthony Johnson Jr. Love all that. I think my favorite thing was to have excitement in the stands again. Uh, really, really, really got engaged there in that fourth quarter. Everyone was just kind of waiting for the opportunity to really get going all season, truly. And so especially for homecoming weekend to have that chance where, okay, you you come out and you get a big touchdown. You come out, oh, you get another touchdown. You get to have an appropriate juicy wiggle, not like forced because, ah, oh, we, we got we to gotta try and get the fans into it. We, we kicked the field goal. And it went in. Let let's hit the juicy wiggle. No, to have like a really appropriate one, especially when they were handing out those really cool uh, towels that had that get juicy logo for homecoming, which I've desperately hope some of those show up for a basketball game because I didn't go out of my way to track one down, but they're very nifty. I need one for my bar. But it was great. It was just so exciting to get to be excited. Like 
you get to go and cheer and have fun and see good stuff and not just sit there biting your fingernails the whole time waiting for something to go wrong. So that was, I was very excited to be there. Um, I'm sure that you were also happy to have that experience this season. It was, it was just a fun game, especially in retrospect now, seeing that you went handily, you look back at some of the times where, okay, things were a little bit more nerve wracking earlier in the game, but you can look at and appreciate some of the plays that were made and just enjoy the thing as a whole. Yeah, and you know the weather ended up being about as good as you could ask for. Shockingly, at the game, surprisingly, and I was I went in kind of prepared for the crowd to be one of the smaller ones that we've seen here in a while, but I was actually really happy with the. I thought the crowd was really good. A lot, it was actually a lot better than I expected. So, yeah, and the energy was good throughout the game. So. Yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something it's something to build off of, you know. Get get people reengaged, get people ready to come out for uh the the very tail end of the season there. So there there are a couple games left on Iowa State's schedule. Of course, there's the one home game left is two weeks, Texas Tech. But before that, going to Oklahoma State, heading out to Stillwater. Next weekend, Saturday at two thirty kick, and I, I really was not expecting to see what I saw today, Sunday, which is that lines are opening around a point in either direction. Essentially, this game is opening as a pick'em, and. I don't know if that means that Vegas knows something we don't and that Spencer Sanders is still out. I don't know if that has to do with just the way OSU has played the past couple of weeks and the fact that there's a bunch of other people out as well. But that's that's kind of wild <laughs> to me. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, I, I like it to potentially be a game. But especially Oklahoma State's two pretty poor performances have been on the road. And I do think there's something to be said about being at home. And so the fact that Iowa State is is about even with them means that neutral or at home, Iowa State would probably be favored. And so all of that is just kind of unexpected <laughs> for me I will I will put it that way it's unexpected I'm excited you know I'm, I'm not saying that I'm I'm saying I'm not saying that Iowa State is going to go get blown out or anything like that I, I do think and hope it'll be a great game but the the way that the line has materialized really caught me off guard yeah um it caught I caught me off guard a little bit too I I feel like if, if Spencer Sanders was healthy then I I kind of expected us to be a like five and a half point underdog somewhere in that range. That's kind of what I expected, but I don't know what the status is. And I don't know if Vegas knows the status of Spencer Sanders. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't able to watch their game against Kansas. So I don't know exactly um, how the backup fare. I mean, it seemed from what I heard, he struggled a little bit. So going against Iowa state's defense, you would have to think that, um, Iowa State would have a pretty decent chance if they were going up against the Oklahoma State backup quarterback. But like you said, they've played a lot better at home this year. All three of their losses have been on the road. So 
Yeah, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, I think, I guess a pick em is about right when you don't really know who's going to be on the field for Oklahoma State. Um, but it's another it's another week of facing a team that's struggling on defense. And against West Virginia in the fourth quarter, Iowa State was able to finally put some points up on the board, score 31 points, make uh, make the fans feel, I guess, a little bit better about the offense but there have been times um this season where iowa state has gone up against defenses that have struggled um like kansas and oklahoma for example and the iowa state offense hasn't had a great performance and so this week you're going into a game against oklahoma state where in the past games the oklahoma state defense has given up 37 to kansas 48 to kansas state 34 to texas 43 to tcu and 31 to texas tech so They've given up 30 or more points in the last five weeks. So it'll just be interesting to see if Iowa State can capitalize that on that. And mm-hmm. I guess the health I, the health of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, both on their offensive side of the ball and their defensive side of the ball, will play a big part in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I know that over on the 1012 podcast, you know, our, our host there, Philip Huge, Oklahoma State fan, if you don't listen to our flagship podcast over there, he's always got some good takes on there. But uh, I was not quite aware of what exactly their backup situation was prior to last weekend when he was talking about it. And it is bizarre, to say the least. Uh, their backup is Gundy's son, who straight up like took a year off playing football and came back and, and is their backup. Uh, so it sounds like fans are not super high on him and didn't seem to have a uh, earth shattering performance this past weekend at the very least. So well, if I don't that, think he, st- he didn't start against Kansas though. It was uh Oh, it was the other guy, wasn't it? Yeah, Garrett. Because it was uh, like technically the one that was listed at third string. Yeah. But they had split snaps during the week. You're yeah. right. You're right. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Garrett Rangel or Ranhel or something. I'm, yeah. Sorry, I'm not, I haven't looked up how to pronounce it. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you're totally for, right. For 300 cause... yards, but three picks as well yeah that's the thing is you're just not not super efficient and well and that's the thing too is that okay so you throw for 300 yards you throw three picks if indeed sanders is back out then you either stick with that or you go back to the one that all the fans were (laughs) apprehensive to see out on the field to say the least so it's it's really an interesting position to be in there i would love to see Iowa State go out and score some points against, like you said, a defense that has given up a, a lot of points. Um, if Gyro Brock was back, that would be a huge positive as well. But even if he's not, the way that Silas and Norton were able to handle things with him out certainly inspires a little bit more confidence as well. So a lot of just interesting things. The, the injury reports that they've had out from Oklahoma State are really wild to look at they're like a mile long there's been so many people banged up on that team and at at best probably wouldn't see anything coming out until later in the week and I wouldn't be shocked 
if there's no confirmation one way or the other of who the quarterback will be or whether Spencer Sanders is playing on Saturday until the game. I know he was considered a game time decision against Kansas um, and then didn't see the field. So that would imply that he was close enough to be able to play that maybe he would lean more towards being ready this week, but also it kind of comes down to a mind game type thing. So it's, yeah. And you know, from the Oklahoma state perspective, I mean, you have Oklahoma the week after Iowa state, Mm -hmm. maybe from their perspective, if they don't feel like they have a chance at winning the big 12 title, you really focus on that Oklahoma game and make sure that he's healthy for that game. Who knows? I don't know their approach to things like that, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially knowing that that game is basically evaporating. It's, it's a big yeah. one, which you you probably care more about, like winning as many games as possible. But if you had to pick one or the other, I'm gonna assume that beating Oklahoma is probably really high on a lot of Cowboy fans' list right now. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. And I, from your perspective, what do you think needs to happen for Iowa State in order to have a, a legitimate chance at winning the game outside of like you play a perfect game, you know, like, like what, what is kind of the formula for success here? Well, again, not knowing who the opposing quarterback is going to be, I'll just focus on the Iowa state offensive side of the ball, because I feel pretty confident in the defense to hold their own. um, No matter who's the quarterback for Oklahoma state, obviously it'll be a little bit tougher if uh, Spencer Sanders is the quarterback, but on the offensive side of the ball, I, I just want to see if the offense can kind of carry over the momentum that they built in the fourth quarter against West Virginia and specifically running the ball. Again, like I said, we saw some long runs that we haven't seen in a few games, you know, in that fourth quarter with Deion Silas and then Norton had this really solid game as well. And we don't really know the status of Jairo Brock, but I, I want to see if, if the Iowa state offense can continue to run the ball, because I think that'll really open things up for the offense and, you know, Oklahoma state's coming off of a game where they just gave up, you know, 350 yards rushing against Kansas. And Kansas is obviously a really good rushing team this year uh, with a dynamic quarterback, but um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing if the Iowa state offense can continue what they, uh, what they got going in the fourth quarter. And I expect Oklahoma state defense to uh, I'm guessing in practice that the coaches are probably getting into a little bit about their rush defense, but um, I'm, I'm hoping that Iowa state can you know, keep improving in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Just see a little ba- bit of balance, see a little bit of continued improvement. I think that that's really all you can say for the offense right now is that to have almost dead, even, rushing yards and receiving yards well I suppose a little bit off but to to have around 170 rush yards to have just over 200 receiving yards in a in a situation where you've struggled to run the ball all year uh if, if you can even come close to evening those numbers that's 
huge for Iowa State, assuming it's not just a terrible receiving game, you know, <laughs> and you're just matching like a really low rush total. Uh, but that would be that would be a huge positive. So I I'm I don't know that I'd say I'm like super high on it. I'm not low on it. I'm just interested. I'm really interested to see how Oklahoma State adjusts, what kind of team they're putting out there in the field, how Iowa State capitalizes off having potentially a little bit of momentum uh, and and things, really things to play for. Because if you go out there and you steal one against Oklahoma State, you've 100% got six wins on the table. Like you've, you've got Tech at home to give you six and that'd be a night and day difference from where we were last week, just the feeling in the fan base and, and the perception of the program. So that would be, that would be an exciting opportunity to have. So definitely a big one this weekend for Iowa state and Stillwater. All right. Well, if you are heading out to Stillwater, like a couple of our friends are, hopefully a few other cyclones as well. You will want to be outfitted in the very best apparel possible. And to be honest, I know exactly where you can get that. And that is at homefieldapparel.com. They have the most comfortable vintage college apparel. They have the best logos, the comfiest clothes. I could live in all of them. I just organized my closet today and the top of every pile are my home field apparel shirts and sweatshirts so that I can very easily get to them as frequently as possible. Uh, they have a ton of really great Iowa State merchandise. They've got lots of the kind of general school logos. They've got a specific wrestling shirt, football shirt, basketball shirts, all of whom are in season right now. So head over to homefieldapparel.com, stock up for the year. If this is your first time visiting, use code CYCLONE12. That's going to give you 15% off your first order. Throw a couple extra things in the cart. Do yourself a favor. Get some Christmas shopping done early. They've got every school in the Big 12 in addition to Iowa State. In addition to like, I don't know, a, a really good percentage of D1 schools and some not D1 schools. And there's a lot of good stuff going on over there. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com, get your Iowa State gear, get whatever school gear you want. They've got great other logos and such as well. And use code CYCLONE12 for 15% off your first order. All right. So that's football. We had We had good stuff to talk about football. And yet we still have a lot to cover. Because we've got volleyball still in action, as well as men's basketball, women's basketball, and wrestling. Uh, I'm actually going to make a make a quick audible here because I realized on our rundown for today, since I am the consummate professional, I do that. Uh, not not well, <laughs> obviously. We'll start with wrestling. Wrestling went out and ranked 14th in the country to start the year here. Took down number 12. Actually, beat down number 12. Took down Wisconsin at 26 to 6. Like, look, I don't know that much about wrestling. Uh, I try a little bit because 
my dear friend Jacqueline Cordova covers it very well. And I want to try to comprehend some of the things she says. But I don't think I have to understand the sport particularly well to say that 26 to 6 as an underdog in a ranked matchup is really good. <laughs> I think that that's fair to say. So yeah. it's, yeah, like I mean, that's. I, I don't, again, I don't know. Uh, wrestling is, if you were to ask me what sport, like, I would be able to give the least amount of analysis on it would be wrestling. I mean, I <laughs> couldn't tell you like any, basically anything about no performance in wrestling, but yeah, I mean, I can read a, I can uh, read the scoreboard and see that, you know, 14th ranked Iowa state via 12th ranked Wisconsin, 26 to six. And just at a surface level, looking at the you know, individual performances, it seems like Iowa state had a really good first outing, especially, you know, it's the first, first outing of the year. I think it's, really a positive sign to be able to come right out and get out to a start like that. Yeah. I mean, Iowa state took six matches against top 15 opponents. So it's not like they just picked on kind of the bottom of Wisconsin's lineup because that's a high level program. There's, there's not a whole lot of people to pick on. Uh, That's really, really big. Iowa State has won 16 consecutive duels dating back to last season. That's the second longest active streak nationally. I think that just speaks to the kind of program that Kevin Dresser has built. They, I know that they really pulled things together last year uh, and surpassed some expectations that people had out there for them. Uh, just, just really exciting to see something like that happen, uh, especially got a little bit of extra interest with our uh, – Fellow I, uh, Ames High alumnus uh, Marcus Coleman out there just continuing to dominate. Um, really, really exciting to see that. He picked up his fastest pin since 2020. So that's also good. I can tell you that much uh, to break personal records, things like that. And it's... It's really exciting because especially in a place like Iowa where wrestling is so big... I don't have to be a major analyst to know that it's good for the school. It's good for a lot of people when this program has success. And I know that the way that they've performed historically has been at an extremely high level. Everything I hear about Kevin Dresser is nothing but the absolute best about who he is as a person and who he is as a coach. So to see the way that he's taken this program, the direction that they've been moving in is really exciting. And it just makes me more excited to try and follow along. You know, it's tough for me to get to aim sometimes, but I look at it and I think, you know, I'd love to go to a match of it lined up, or I'd at least like to watch a little bit on ESPN plus or whatever, just to support them because they're a good group of guys. And I know that they're really supportive of the rest of the athletic department. Like David Carr is the first person that comes to mind when I think of athletes going out and supporting other teams, because he, he had a second calling as a cheerleader because he is like the most engaged in every game. (laughs) I see him at, I know that he's always out there having like the best time cheering. So it just makes it easier and easier to support cycling wrestling. So really excited to see them start the season off like that and really excited to see how they go moving forward. Cause there's going to be a lot more coming, you know, it, it starts off really hot with three matches right away. And then you're just 
kind of rolling week after week. Got California Baptist this coming weekend. And then you get like one a week going forward. So exciting stuff to follow. And maybe, maybe eventually I'll learn something. I'll, I'll look up a guide or something so I can pretend to know what I'm talking about more than just, hey, these numbers look good. <laughs> yeah, I, I need that too. I'll, if I find a good one, I'll send it to you. If anyone has a good a good guide for like really, really entry level, like assume as much experience as we've demonstrated here. Help us out here. All right. So wrestling, great start. Volleyball, been talking a lot of volleyball. Oh, I'm I'm honestly really bummed. I thought that this was a revenge week for Iowa State. Got into the top 25, uh, had had a kind of a cruise in the midweek game, and then loses to Kansas State again. The Wildcats have Iowa State's number this year in volleyball. Uh, looking at statistically, looking at records, Iowa State really probably should have been able to take care of this one, but... We're not indeed able to. Iowa State fell to eight and three in the Big Twelve. They dropped down to third in the conference. Still in a great spot as far as standings go, uh, but definitely had an opportunity to continue the tear that they had been on. So kind of a bummer there, but everyone loses sometimes kind of tough to look at what your bounce back game would be uh, because their next one is uh, a major, major revenge game on the other side. Iowa State travels to Austin, Texas on Wednesday to face Texas, the number one team in the country once again. Uh, for those of you who, who maybe missed that episode, Iowa State handed Texas their only loss of the season thus far in Ames earlier in an incredible, incredible match. One of the most exciting I've watched in a long time. Uh, so I, I think that the Longhorns will probably be trying to trying to play to their peak. But hey, you know what? That's that's why you play the games. You go out there and you see what happens. See if maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle twice. So big opportunity for Iowa State to to try and go take another one, go for the season sweep against Texas. Uh, and this is also coming off of a game that saw the fifth largest volleyball crowd in Hilton history uh, this past weekend against Kansas State. It had over 4,500 people there. It looked like an incredible incredible atmosphere that's the second top 10 attendance game this season alone so you can definitely see the support for volleyball growing Ugh, super exciting bummed about the loss but really excited about the opportunities that Iowa State has going forward as I mentioned they do go to Texas and then they've got Texas Tech at home on Saturday at two o'clock so that'll be a really fun one it's one of their last games at home of the season it's their last weekend game of the season so wouldn't be the worst thing if you're in Ames go over there watch a little bit of volleyball and then get get maybe a late start in the football game or bring a phone that's what I tend to do watch a little bit of both so support your uh, cycle and volleyball in person but 
big, big opportunity once again this week for Iowa State Volleyball. All right. Those two. And now the the thing I'm, I'm probably the, the only thing that anyone would actually call me qualified to talk about besides Iowa State in general, which is basketball. <laughs> this is where I like I can I can feel confident in my own abilities and, and not question why anyone listens to me which is great that I put it at the end of the episode. So you've got to get through everything else. Maybe use your skip function if you really have to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's creating. I'm trying, trying real hard, but basketball, baby, that's, (laughs) that's going to be most of the time going forward. Let's just be real. Uh, Women's basketball had the exhibition game this past weekend. I was, or past week. I was very excited. I was very impressed. You can only draw so many conclusions, but looked good. Looked happy to be out there. Uh, finally got to be or got to see Steph Suarez in action. And that is that is an intimidating presence. Uh, she is she is every inch of what is she listed at? Six, six. I don't know. I think so. I think so. I she, think so. Yeah. It's legitimate. Uh, that yeah, is not six, an exaggeration. Six. And looked great running up and down the court. Has one of the most beautiful shots I've ever seen, which I know warms our mother's heart as the biggest stickler for form in the universe. Uh, and just a team that looks happy to be playing together out there. They kick off at, well, kick off, tip off at 11 on Monday. So probably probably before a lot of you listen to this episode, unless you're one who is listening to it the second it drops in your feed, which if you are awesome, appreciate you. Uh, But first thing on Monday, which is great because it allows both men's and women's basketball to start on the very first day of the season. So you've got the women playing Cleveland state at 11 and then the men play at what? Seven. I believe. Uh, Yeah. Let me double check, but I think that's right. Yes, seven. Yeah, and so you've got the opportunity to see a couple good games. Look, hey, I know, it's a Monday. It's a work day. You you might not be able to make it to Ames at 11 o'clock. I've got a great solution for you. You can listen to the game on the radio. Get more of this hard-hitting analysis. If you're not they sick of me. Yeah. They can't not, if they can't get enough. Cannot get enough. That's all I hear. Jamie, I want to hear you more. I wish I could get more. More of whatever this is. That's what I need. I mean, I hate actually I would hate to disappoint because the broadcasts are very different from this. I've got I've got a little bit of knowledge and I talk less. So that's probably good for all involved, but I will be back on the radio call for most of Iowa State women's basketball games this year with my pal Noah Wolf. I'm super excited for Monday. Cleveland state is a super fun first opponent because I don't know if you really remember Chris, but their head coach, Chris Kilsmeyer was a manager for Iowa State and has just kind of been around. We've run into him 
at various times. He's been a coach for a long time now. So to have him come out with his team for the first game of the season is really exciting because he's a good guy and you get to have some of that like personal relationship come full circle. I know that he has been talking about how excited he is to get his team back to Iowa where he grew up and to play against Iowa state is a big opportunity there. I mean, they really had a great season last year, won their conference. So uh, definitely a, a fun one there. And then you've got the men playing IUPUI, which look an, another one that has some questions about their team this year. And so you can just see everyone flesh everything out. You can have absolutely no expectations and just watch a basketball game. Iowa state is obviously heavily favored, but IUPUI can score, you know, Hey, they, they dropped a hundred in one of their preseason games. So who knows? You get to see Iowa State flaunt that vaunted defense. Yeah, good. To, a good early test. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Like, why, why not give yourself a little, little something to give, get a little measuring stick going there? So it look, it's early in the season. There's very little known about a lot of these teams, especially smaller schools, especially places where you've got a lot of turnover. So, not a lot of analysis to give there, but. Um, I will say that I think I am most excited in women's to see like the, the ones that we're not sure of, you know, like we know what Emily Ryan can do. We know what Lexi Donarski can do. We know what Ashley Jones can do. We have an idea of what Steph is capable of. Um, but a lot of that will come when, when you're, facing like the more physical bigger teams and that's not going to be quite this early in the season that you start seeing the results there and so you kind of turn your attention to that fifth starter spot those first off the bench and so you get to see what Danae Fritz is able to do after coming back from injury last year looked pretty solid in the exhibition game you get to see what Nymir Dew can do in a kind of different position looking like she might be just first off the bench because she can slot into literally any position on the court. And that's a really interesting kind of aspect to have out there. And you've got players like you've got Shantavia Dawkins, who is real young and a little green, but showed some, some kind of flashy moves in the exhibition game. There's, there's a lot of things that are still to be seen for some of these players when you know that there's a lot of really steady people on the women's basketball team. So I'm excited to see what else is getting added there. And then for the men, I think I'm most looking forward to just getting to know who these players are, what, they, what they're capable of, because there's a lot of new, a lot of new on that team as well. So I, I'm happy that we've got people like Gabe Kalsher and, Coons and Caleb Grill and all them back like those are those are fun guys but you've got a lot of new faces a lot of question marks I think for both teams I personally am most excited to see what's new and and what we're gonna see from those new people how about you well for the women's team I I was gonna say the exact same thing as you just look at looking at the new pieces especially since I wasn't able to attend the exhibition I was 
in class. <laughs> so um, I'm really excited to see yeah the what the new additions look like and how they fit into the current um, the current framework of the team. And then on the men's side, I'm looking forward to seeing just how how things kind of change this year, if at all. You know, the personnel, there was a big overhaul, not many returners from last year. And the strengths of the team, I feel like, are going to change as well. Maybe you might lose a little bit of the athleticism that you had in the backcourt with, you know, Hunter and Brockington primarily last year. And, you know, this year you bring in two of the best shot blockers in the nation in Hassan Ward and Ushun Ushuni. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the identity maybe shifts a little bit, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Obviously on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like it's the mentality is going to be mostly the same, but you just add, you know, more depth in, in the, uh, in the front court and especially with the shot blocking ability and on the offensive side of the ball, I feel like you may see maybe more of an effort to get the ball inside. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how much, but I feel like you may see a little bit more of that. And so I'm just excited to see, you know, how the identity changes with the personnel changes. And, yeah. you know, you can kind of, you can kind of start to get a feel for it even with the first couple of games. And obviously last year, uh, the team was able to find its identity really quickly and got off to that hot start. And so, I'm excited to see if this year they can find that identity just as fast and get off to a hot start as well. Yeah, it's a it's a really big opportunity where uh, TJ definitely does a really good job of having a pretty clear identity like you've talked about. He makes really specific emphasis on particular parts of the game that he knows are going to be a strength of his teams. And so to see what that ends up being this year is... It's really exciting. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so excited. There's so much going on this week. And so that's why we've been sitting here talking for like an hour. All right. This has been an awesome episode. I am so excited to get back together next week and get to talk about everything that we previewed because that's going to be even more fun and I'm going to have to get more efficient, I guess even better rundowns. That's not going to happen. Y'all are just going to have to deal with it. Okay. You can find us on social media, on Twitter. You could find me at J Styes, J-S-T-E-Y-Z, everywhere, primarily Twitter. You could find Eric at Eric Steyer, E-R-I-C-S-T-E-Y-E-R. You could find our podcast account at Cyclone Fam Pod. I, I need to put out like actual calls for questions again because I know I used to get some and then I never like use them on the show so i will and i will ask again uh continue there we are a part of the 1012 network uh if you do not listen to our flagship show over there give it a listen it's super fun you can find them at 1012 network on twitter ten one two. we are also a part of the sports drink platform oh guys thank you so much for joining us we'll be back next week with you know every sport under the sun this time of year and hopefully more good news thanks for joining us we'll talk to you next week 